We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the November 1st episode. Holy cow, it's November and Thanksgiving's three weeks from today. November 1st episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Joe Bartle and I are going to preview all the week nine games. Joe is stepping in for our, our, uh, our baseball geeks. Derek and Tim Heaney are at First Pitch Arizona, which is a great thing I've mentioned before, if you like fantasy baseball. But um, they are gone for the weekend, so Joe and I are going to be here Thursday, Friday, Monday. Joe, welcome aboard, man. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, I couldn't join the baseball guys out there because I'm not nearly qualified enough to do that. So I am, fortunately, or maybe unfortunately for listeners, qualified enough to do this with you. So uh, looking forward to the next three podcasts. See, you should argue, if you want to go next year, you should argue that going there will make you qualified. Because oh, it's is, a that, learning is experience. that the play there? Is that how we do that? It is. But the thing is, if you've <laughs> got to be the baseball fan because most of it, you spend part of the day at you know a field with 500 people watching mostly, you know, I don't want to say mostly anonymous prospects. Because if you're a baseball person, you know the prospects. That's the thing. You learn, you watch. The rest of it, you know, you're spending in a conference room listening to guys talk about fantasy wins above replacement and things like that. I mean, you know, you got to be way into it. 
to like it's it. It's probably horrible to admit, but that actually sounds like a lot of fun. It I would, is. I would, I would legitimately enjoy that. It's <laughs> tremendous. It's really, really great. So uh, anyone, fantasy baseball fans, highly recommended. Met a lot of great people. The one time I went, I need to go more. And I'll stop saying that because I think I said it on Monday with Derek. Okay, let's, let's talk football. No, yes. I get yelled at sometimes here when I talk baseball. I get, you know, little messages like, hi, big fan. Can you please stop talking about baseball? So point taken. We'll stop talking about baseball. Did you have any Le'Veon Bell shares? I have two in the uh, in the 10 leagues that I'm in, not counting best ball leagues. I have two. And one is my hometown dynasty league where I've had Le'Veon Bell for five years. And the other one is uh, one of the auto new leagues that we run at Rotowire here. And I, I, he was, I've had him now for two or three years and uh, it wasn't like I drafted him in either situation. I've had him for quite a while and kind of kept him around. So I've unfortunately or fortunately, again, dodged that bullet. I was always picking towards the middle or back end of drafts this year. And I somehow also avoided the Leonard Fournette and Delvin cook traps. So by that, by that fault, I'm, I'm, I'm still in fantasy leagues. I'm still able to compete in my leagues just by that fact alone. Okay, so no redraft. So in, in redraft leagues, basically the idea, if you kept him for a while, the target was this week. That if right. you kept him, this was when he was allegedly going to report. Um, if, if people haven't cut him in redraft leagues, is, is it time? Do we need to just no. cut the court? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I thought there's there still a situation where he comes back to play those last six games. And if you've kept him to this point, I think you've got to keep him with that Till he gets his money, like I mean, that's that's where if Le'Veon Bell is coming back, he's going to come back for those last six games to get the money that he's paid for or, or expected to get. I my concern is what kind of workload is he going to get in the first right. place? And with James Conner being as effective and efficient as he is, I don't understand why the Steelers wouldn't just use James Conner almost throughout and Le'Veon Bell more as a spellback kind of player, especially since he is very careful and a very aware what happened to Earl Thomas. And I, I'm, of course, I understand Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to have that situation occur for him. So I think if you hadn't cut him already at this point, you need to hold on until literally the last possible moment. But this is something that at least two or three weeks ago, you probably should have been considering either trading him or cutting him because the situation wasn't going to get much better with how effective James Conner has been. Yeah. And the see, thing I'm looking at is this week, you got six buys. So this is one of your spots where you know you might have a decision to make out there, and I, I don't know. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to cut just because. Like I, I agree with you. If he comes back, I, I don't see how it works. I don't see how it works where he gets a big workload unless Connor gets hurt. Well, that's why I don't understand why the Steelers didn't trade him to begin with. And I understand the optics of the contract, and they'd have to kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge Le'Veon Bell to sign the tender to then trade him and everything else like that, but. Connor has been good and looked good since week one. I don't I don't understand why the Steelers didn't try to capitalize on some of Le'Veon Bell's value. And if it was a matter of he didn't want to actually play at all this season, again, I get it from a player perspective. I would have been trying to do a lot more to deal him. This situation looked bad from week three. I don't know what Pittsburgh has been waiting for. And obviously Le'Veon Bell's not coming back. I think just about everyone, that's not a hot take to say that, right? Like the Le'Veon right. Bell is, there's no way that he's not re-signing with them. So I don't, I, I, this whole situation is confusing. It's frustrating following last season where David Johnson was kind of the, the guaranteed number one overall player, and then he had that fluke wrist injury and is out for the season, and now there's another top player that we've had to kind of sit on this whole year, but we knew probably wasn't going to get anything out of it. It's, it's really frustrating as a fantasy, uh, well, a fantasy analyst having to talk about this every week in different perspective places and be like, yeah, I, I have no idea what's really going to happen, and I'm 
confused by the whole situation. So I, I might have talked about this with uh, Jake on Tuesday. I'm not sure. I have an MFL with uh, some of my buddies that we play every year. I drafted James Conner in the 20th round. Wow. <laughs> and I'm in 10th place. How oh. bad is that? Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I bragged about how I avoided Leonard Fournette and Delvin Cook, and yet even in those situations, I think most of my leagues am around 500, which would be, a, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where you can get that top half right, but it really is trending more to, especially if you're in more of an expert league, and I assume your friends are all uh, taking all the information off of you, so you're by default playing against yourself. It's going to be a situation where it's difficult sometimes, even when you get a fantastic value like that. Yeah, I get a lot of, wow, you suck at this. This is terrible. <laughs> but, all, right. all right, everybody, check us out on Twitter. Joe's at JB Fantasy Sports. I am at jhoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Uh, you can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. All right, week nine. Buy six buys, as I mentioned. Cardinals, Bengals, Colts, Jags, Giants, Eagles. Tonight, Raiders, Niners. Yay. Woo. Whoa, man. Yeah. <laughs> this, this could be bad, and it could be worse. Because C.J. Beathard might not play. We're recording this. We're, I'm talking at about 9.30 Eastern on Thursday morning. C.J. Beathard's status is very iffy. He's got a wrist injury. The report is he's having trouble gripping the ball. Nick Mullins would be next up. I, I don't know one damn thing about Nick Mullins. Do you? No, no. And I, I saw this as we were kind of getting ready to record the podcast. And I, you talked about Nick Mullins on the, the rundown. I'm like, oh, crap. Now i got to like learn who Nick Mullins is. I had no idea. He had a... A great week three of the preseason for the 49ers. Didn't make the roster because Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard were there. Why would you need a Nick Mullins? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea who he is. Maybe Mario or John McKechnie might know better about Nick Mullins, but I have I have no clue. And if I have no clue who the 49ers' uh, third-string quarterback is, I think that we all know which direction we should go uh, when it comes to, well, fantasy or DFS defense, right? I think it has to be the Raiders play. But even though the Raiders, see, here's the thing. I, I fall into this trap, and I, I agree with you. It makes perfect, it makes logical sense. But I felt like, I feel like there's been so many times where I go down into this rabbit hole and I go, yes, load up on the Raiders because it, I, I normally would. And then after the game, it doesn't work out. And I go, oh, right, the Raiders are bad. Like, I know the quarterback's bad, but the Raiders are bad and it didn't work. Why didn't I think of that? And this is where we are because the Raiders defense is bad. Yeah, no, not just the Raiders defense, the Raiders team as a whole. I don't I don't care what the record says. John Gruden has not proven to be an effective uh, general manager, nor has he really been a, uh, an effective coach either. And they've gotten rid of most of their talent this year. I mean, they're, they're very clearly playing for Las Vegas. And I, I get that from the, uh, well, financial perspective. But this is not a competitive team, the, the Raiders. And really, the 49ers aren't given all the injuries. But that's exactly why... You play the Raiders' defense at this point because they could be down to their third-string quarterback, their third-string running back, depending on if Breida is really actually available or not. And frankly, Marquise Goodwin, who was their number one guy entering the year and everyone was really high in him, has looked ineffective. And that's what we're talking about for the number one receiver. I mean, Kevin Bourne, uh, like that's these are the receivers the 49ers are trotting out there at this point. This is this is going to be a sloppy, bad. Uh, and ugly game to watch, but that's exactly why I do want to use the Raiders' defense in terms of fantasy. Right. All right, and by the way, Mullins, uh, undrafted free agent in 2017 for, uh, from Southern Miss, was on their practice squad for a long time. Basically, you don't want this to happen if you have any of the numbers. If you want... <laughs> no. You, you wonder... That, now, I also... This is another trap I fall... I, I fall into the last man standings. Like, someone's got to catch the ball even from Nick Mullins. Like, he's not going to complete two passes if he plays. 
if he does, you would think it would be Kittle. You know, the young quarterback, in, you know, deer in the headlights, checking down to his tight end. Or maybe to Brita if he plays. That, right. That would be the I, logical way to go. I would imagine, that, like, if you're kind of planning out game script, it's going to be a 24 to 20, 24, 13 type of game where they score off of one pick six from Derek Carr and maybe get some good field position from a bad punt and they're able to kind of get a couple of field goals. But this is going to be if, if Mullins has to play. And again, I don't really want to start a quarterback that can't hold the football, which is what CJ Beathard couldn't do as of two days ago. Mm-hmm. So if Nick Mullins plays, we're talking like 20 targets and half have to be to the tight end, half have to be to the running backs. There's, there's no situation in my mind where I'm seeing any receiver out there on my fantasy team given a third-string quarterback is playing that I've never heard of before. All right. Um, also for the Niners, Ruben Foster out, just Quisky Tart out. Um, Raider-wise, so the backfields, they've, they've, gone, oh, they've had a bit of an overhaul for various reasons over the last few weeks. With Lynch on injury reserve, last week they went with Doug Martin and Jalen Richard, both of whom actually, you know, for their fantasy owners, did okay. Uh, Receiving-wise, after trading Amari Cooper, last week you would have thought Martavis Bryant and Jordy Nelson – would step up. Jordan Nelson caught one ball. Bryant caught none and played something like seven snaps. Brandon LaFell played a decent amount. It, it, what I want to ask you, is there anybody in this mix that you would like to start? Yeah, I actually would like to start both the running backs. I, I, I understand how bad Oakland is. I, I truly get it. I've watched a few of their games. I have no idea why I put myself through that, but I've seen a few Oakland games. I understand how bad they are. But I really think they're probably going to get ahead against San Francisco given – you either have a quarterback that can't hold the football playing or a third-string practice squad guy from last year out there. And I, I just don't see any recipe for the 49ers to have any success. So that means that they're probably going to be able to run the ball. And John Gruden, if he's done anything this year, has proven that he is very, well, I'm not going to say effective, but he's very adamant that he needs to run the ball. So I think a guy like Doug Martin and, and Jalen Richard, too, for those check-down options are going to be good uh, good plays, in my opinion. I, I you're looking to get maybe 10 points out of Doug and maybe 10 out of Richard too. And I think both are possible. I think that Doug Martin looked okay actually last week. And I was almost surprised by how effective he looked. Um, and I, I think he has a real chance to do that against the 49ers, especially with Ruben Foster out. Like I think that's a pretty big injury. That's not getting discussed with CJ Beathard being potentially out for this game as well. Absolutely. I agree with you. Ruben Foster is a, he's, he's a stud out there. So um, that, that is a big deal. And Martin, I always hesitate to go after Martin, especially after last week. Cause I go, nah, I've seen this before. And then, and then he, and then he goes 12 for 19. So yeah. I don't know, but I agree. I agree with what you're saying. It, may, it may makes sense. So I, I, I think he has to stumble into a touchdown or there's going to be some red zone opportunities for that offense. And I, I, other than Jared Cook, who's about the only like truly fantasy relevant option on that forty or on that Raiders team, I don't know. I, I think somebody has to step up because I anticipate Oakland's going to be ahead or, or leading. And John Gruden does not seem like he's going to be well. He's aggressive, but he doesn't seem like he's going to be a smart aggressive. So I think he's just going to be pounded in the running game until they're twenty to eight, whatever the score is going to be. This god awful Thursday night game. All right, Bears Bills. At Buffalo, uh, Jay Peterman starting again for the Bills. Back to that because Derek Anderson got a, uh, a concussion. So the Bills Monday night, the Bills defense played very well. And, and, and I kind of thought they might, you know, at, at, you know, decent home field. I don't know what the numbers are is how well they play, but they, you know, they seem, most teams are better. This defense is actually a pretty good unit. I would just wonder, at some point you have to break. 
You know, if you're shouldering the entire load, you have to break like they did the week before against who they lose to 37 to five was the Colts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and so there, there are going to be some times where you can't just, you know, carry the whole load on your own. They did it for all of Monday night and they hung in there for a while and, and then they faded, you know, the team faded late, but overall they gave up, you know, they, they, they played, I thought terrific. Now, can they do the same this week? I know they're playing an offense that isn't as good. It's not bad. But is this another spot where, I mean, you know, the Bears are favored by 10. Peterman's play, I mean, the defense is going to have to step up. Do you think they kind of keep the Bills in check, or does this turn into some kind of route? No, I, I think this is going to be a route. Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons why the Bills were able to hang around Monday night against the Patriots, one of which I think was a division game. Um, and they always seem to play the Patriots pretty well. Of course, they historically, they, they won that game a couple of years back. Whether either it was a Sunday night or Monday night game, um, off that last second field goal. And it just feels like the Bills always play the Patriots pretty close, and the division games in the AFC East end up being closer than you'd anticipate, given one of the greatest teams of all time happens to be in that AFC East division. And then the other part was that I just don't think they wanted to get embarrassed. I mean, the Bills have been embarrassed for much of this season, and they've responded pretty well to the adversity when they have been in those situations. You look at that Vikings game where they were able to surprisingly beat Minnesota at Minnesota, given as high the line that was, I have a feeling that was kind of the same situation Monday night against the Patriots. Nobody's anticipating them that they're going to even have any chance. So just kind of hang around was, I think as best you could expect. I don't think that's going to be the case there. There isn't as big of a spotlight. Chicago's not as good of a team. They don't face Chicago until another four years. I have a feeling that I don't think Trubisky's going to do well. Like I'm not, he's been really a pretty good fantasy ass these last couple of weeks, but I would not be comfortable starting him. I would feel great starting the Bears' defense. I would feel great starting some of their skill position guys. Tariq Cohen seems like a sure bet to get another long touchdown. Uh, and I think even even Taylor Gabriel, especially if Allen Robinson misses another game, would be a fantastic play. But I don't feel confident in that offense at all. And, you know, I'm Nathan, Peterson, Nathan Peterman says it all, right? Like, would you really feel comfortable starting a McCoy or Kelvin Benjamin with Peterman as the quarterback? No, I wouldn't. Neither would I. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Allen Robinson didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, so so if, if you think the Bears are going to be ahead by a decent amount, does that make it a Jordan Howard game? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hold your nose kind of thing. And you kind of look up and pretend you're not smelling how bad the stink is. But yeah, I think Jordan Howard would be the play <laughs> here. I, I just, I have not been a fan of him at all. Like even leading up to the drafts this year, he was a guy that I was staying away from. And uh, it, it seems hit or miss. When the Bears are up, I think they have to rely on Jordan Howard more and Maybe as the season progresses, they can kind of figure out how to use him. But I thought he was a more talented running back than what he's shown this season. And, and frankly, at this point, he's kind of a, a moot play most weeks. This week, though, Chicago's ahead. I think that he's probably – he's at very least a serviceable running back to or flex play, especially with six buys going on. I don't think you can afford to sit Jordan Howard in the situation. He's going to get a touchdown. He's probably going to get 50 yards, and that's all you're going to have to hope for at that point. Okay. Bucks panthers uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts for the Bucks. I, I wanted to ask you, who do you think benefits in their receiving core? I actually saw some stats last night that basically argued that historically Fitz went much more to his wide receivers compared to his tight ends. Like there, there was a greater disparity of Fitz where Jameis targeted tight ends heavily. Fitz targets his wide receivers more at the expense of his tight ends. This year in the three games Fitz played, it didn't quite work that way. Do you think there's a winner and or a loser in the Tampa Bay receiving core as a result of this quarterback change? I don't think there's a winner or a loser. I think 
Well, I think everyone's positively trending up, but that's not because Fitzpatrick. That's because that Buccaneers team and defense in particular is really bad. They're going to have to be throwing the ball all the time. And frankly, Fitzpatrick seems to run for 30, 40, 50 yards every game that Winston wouldn't be able to do on a weekly basis. So maybe that actually takes a bit of receiving yards away. But Fitzpatrick's going to take chances. So that, to me, opens up the floor for more Deshaun Jackson, uh, who's always a variety. And you never know what you can anticipate from him week to week. But with Fitzpatrick willing to take those chances and Deshaun Jackson still in Tampa Bay, I think a lot of people are expecting him to be traded at the deadline. Um, I, I think he's a guy that I feel a little bit more comfortable with starting. Uh, Mike Evans, I still feel completely fine with. He'll be he'll be okay. I understand the statistics, at least in Fitzpatrick's recent starts. He hasn't really been looking at Evans all that much. I'm not worried about it. He's, he's a fantastic talent. And they're going to have to throw the ball. But I think the biggest winner, if you can call it that, is O.J. Howard. I, to me, I was surprised to see them draft O.J. Howard last year after they gave Brayton such a big deal. And then I was surprised to see Howard not really used at all last year. But at this point, he's he's kind of developed in the tight end that we thought he could be when he was taking 17th overall. Yep. That you know, one of the best top five, top ten guys there. He can block, he can run. He just looks he looks scary out there. Like I would not, I wouldn't want to tackle anybody in the NFL. Maybe maybe the kicker. Like I think I could take on Adam Vinatieri, but that's about it. Um, <laughs> OJ Howard is a different beast altogether, and I think that you know Fitzpatrick is able to take those chances and risks, and he'll throw to Howard quite a bit. So I feel comfortable starting him and. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, they're all good guys at this point because that defense is just so bad. Um, other thing, one more thing with the Bucks. Uh, Ronald Jones got hurt last week, so you're going to see Peyton Barber's kind of you know got that that job pretty settled. Quiz Rogers might play a little bit. The other other side of this one, Christian McCaffrey owners have had a frustrating few weeks. I mean, they played three strong run defenses, so the Panthers kind of smartly have not tried to run in, into brick walls with that. I think this week Christian McCaffrey owners are gonna are are, are going to be happy again. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, thankfully he caught that lucky touchdown last week to yeah. kind of make things even. He was, he was, uh, and we'll talk more about DFS tomorrow, but he was actually one of the higher DFS uh, plays. I know our optimizer was really suggesting him last week, and I avoided that stupidly and ended up being a pretty good play. You know, the Buccaneers allow, I think, top 10 most receiving yards to that running back position. It's close. I think they're right on the fringe, 10, 11, 12 ish. And, you know, that defense, again, is really bad. They allow a lot of points overall to that running back spot. So I anticipate the Panthers will be ahead, but it'll never be a situation where they're super ahead and they can just kind of run the ball with, uh, you know, not McCaffrey necessarily, but other guys. I, they're going to have to pass it. It's going to be a high-octane, high-explosive game. So I think McCaffrey will be a pretty good play, and I'd feel comfortable with him this week. Okay. Chiefs-Browns is next. The Browns cleaned house earlier this week. Um, it, it looked like there was going to be a power struggle between Hugh Jackson and Todd Helley. They both lost. So now Greg Williams is the coach, and the quarterback's coach has been promoted to offensive coordinator. What, what do, you, do, you have, do we have any hints of, of how that offense might change? I mean, it's hard to change things in five days. But any, any hints as to how things might be adjusted a little bit and any players we might need to look at a little bit differently here? Yeah, I'm not positive we have any idea what this Browns offense is going to look like. And I'm afraid to say I don't think we'll know following Sunday's game what that offense is going to look like either. If you're a coordinator in the NFL, obviously you want to do your best. And this is kind of an audition for potential promotion down the road. Um, but they have a bye week next week. Like, what's the point of giving away uh, what I'd say your best stuff is against the Chiefs team that you're probably going to lose to anyway because Patrick Mahomes might literally be Jesus? Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's just... It seems like you're in a bad spot because you are in a bad spot. There's a reason you fire both coordinator, the head coach and offensive coordinator. 
Uh, and it's not like Todd Haley was really lighting it up necessarily as the offensive play caller for the Browns. So I, I don't think we have any clue yet, and I'm not sure we're going to learn anything this week either. I, I don't know any reason why Cleveland needs to show their hand in a situation where they probably can't win anyway. Uh, you know, obviously you want to remain competitive, and I don't think you want to just go around saying, oh, yeah, we're going to lose this week. Might as well not try. But seriously, though, I, I don't know. I, I think there's better plans and you know better ways that can go about running their offense than what we're going to see this week. I, I don't think it's going to be their most efficient one. All right. Um, other side. So Nick, Nick Chubb, the, Nick Chubb seems to be in a good spot. If you look at the numbers, you know, the, how the Chiefs have fared against opposing running backs. If you have Nick Chubb, I mean, I'm, same with the other guys. I mean, if you have Landry and you have Joku even after last week and you have Chubb, you're rolling with all three. Yeah, I don't think you can not start them. Again, we have, this is the first six bye weeks situation. So you're likely in kind of a bind roster wise. And that's not to say that it, the play calling is going to be bad. That means the offense is going to be a bad. No, I, I actually think they have a lot of playmakers out there. You mentioned Chubb, and I think he's probably one of my favorite guys. And for some stupid reason, I held on to him for six weeks in our, you know, most of these fantasy leagues where I drafted them, and it finally paid off after they traded Carlos Hyde. This is he's clearly been the best talent in that backfield now for quite a while, and I anticipate that's going to show. This is, I think, if Cleveland has any chance in remaining competitive or, or being close in this game, they have to ball control. They have to kind of move the ball slowly, first down, first down, first down. Oh, now we're in field goal range. Okay, a couple more first downs after that. That's that's how they're going to have to do this. And I think in order to do that, it's going to be more check down throws. So PPR Landry is going to be fantastic. Uh, and I think it's going to have to be Chubb, too, having to, to carry the load running and, and hopefully throwing it to him, too. I, I understand Duke Johnson's around, but I still think Chubb can be effective in the open space if you give him a couple of screen passes or something like that. So I don't know. I, that That's... That's a situation where I think you have to start Chubb, you have to start Landry, and uh, if Baker Mayfield is your quarterback too, I think you kind of have to start Baker too. The Chiefs' defense is is susceptible, regardless of what we're looking at as far as play uh, play calling. I just don't think you have to be taking too much from what this offense will be because it's going to change drastically after two weeks. Okay, and and for context on you know, hey, do you have to start these guys? Um, the Rotowire projection system: Baker's QB nineteen. Chubb is running back 11. Landry is wide receiver 14. Joku is tight end 8. So it suggests, other than Baker, depending on how deep your league is, it suggests starting, you know, firmly starting all these guys. The other side of this one, Sammy Watkins. So the Chiefs offense has been just phenomenal. And, you know, if you have Hunt or, or Tyreek or Kelsey or Mahomes, you're really happy. If you have Sammy Watkins, you're like, okay, last week I finally got some. But generally he's been underwhelming. But you look a little deeper, I mean, plenty of red zone targets. I mean, on this team, I guess everybody's going to have plenty of red zone targets. He's got more than Tyreek does. I mean, do you think his second half is going to be better than his first? No, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think there are too many mouths to feed, and that's a good thing. That's the reason why that offense is so effective is that, you know, really there's six different guys that could go off and beat you every single game, whereas you look at even some of the best teams out there, New England – Okay, you're going to have, what, James White. Uh, you're going to have maybe Gronkowski if he's healthy. Josh Gordon. I mean, that, that's three guys. Julian Edelman's not going to beat you. He might do well, but he's not going to beat you. Like These are these are teams that, for the most part, other than maybe Pittsburgh when they had Le'Veon Bell available, no one can really match what Kansas City can do offensively. So I, I don't think they have to use Sammy Watkins. It's more of um, if he's available as opposed to a necessity. And that's exactly why I'm not sure his second half be much better than his first you're going to have inconsistencies he's a better version of deshaun jackson frankly that's kind of how i look at sammy Watkins. 
anything that you're getting above 50 yards and four catches is a bonus, in my opinion, even in that offense. And I think that's why there were risks entering the year because we knew how effective, maybe not this this extent, but we knew how effective they could be potentially with Kelsey Round and Hunt and Tyreek Hill that Sammy Watkins was at best going to be that fourth option on the team. All right. Um, Jets-Dolphins. Uh, Brocktober gets an extended engagement because Ryan Tannehill's not ready. Uh, Kenny Stills did individual. So the Jets have been getting beaten up against the pass. You want So it makes you go, all right, I want to start a Dolphins receiver. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, Kenny Stills sounded in the beginning of practice yesterday that he was, he was going to practice, but then it turned into, well, he had a helmet on. He was doing individual work on the side. Doesn't look good. You know, Gase said he had a shot to play this week. Uh, do, do we, are you ready to roll with Devonte Parker wherever you have him after what we saw last week? Yeah, but why haven't we been seeing that before? I mean, that's, that's the, the real thing. We all, anyone with two eyes, Devonte Parker is the most talented or one of the most talented receivers on that team. And it's been kind of interesting to watch them scheme Albert Wilson to fantasy relevance, uh, in, and players like that. I thought Kenny Stills was the second best player on that receiving core, and he's done next to nothing for most of this time period as well. I, I think that you have to use Devontae Parker, especially with the trade deadline having come and gone, and the Cowboys didn't acquire Devontae Parker because that seemed to be the only team interested in them. I don't know. Um, with all the injuries to that receiving core, I think they have to. But I don't know if Adam Gase wants to admit that because then that would be admitting mistake. And he seems, for another reason, too proud to be able to utilize his best wide receiver on the team. I don't I don't know. I it's a weird situation. I mean, entering the year, Devontae Parker was, once again, one of those sleeper candidates for the Dolphins receiving core and overall in fantasy. And yet, really, it's only been last week where we were able to see that he'd utilize, whether it be injury or dissension within the team and chemistry issues, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know. I think you have to use Devontae Parker. Again, six bye weeks, there's not a lot of options. But I, I don't feel great about using him because whatever the reason, Adam Gase doesn't seem great about using Parker either. So... The Rotowire projection system has Parker at wide receiver thirty nine. I wonder if that account if that hedges on whether Stills is going to play. I I I think he's a top thirty guy if Stills is out in this spot. I mean, I don't love the guy, but I like. I think what happened is last week when they asked Gase about what Parker was going to play, he was kind of like, "Well, I don't have any choice." Right. So he didn't want to. He if he, right. if he had any other options, he wouldn't have played his best receiver. So what does that tell you? I, I don't know. Like I don't I don't feel confident. If he seems so just against playing Devontae Parker, despite what we've all seen on tape and film now, that he's clearly a pretty good player at a, sp- a position that they desperately need players at, I don't, right. I don't understand. Like, Amendola's not taking the top off the defense. Kenny Stills, especially if he's kind of uh, limited and injured, he's not taking the top off the defense either. And they use those guys in such different ways that Devontae Parker makes a lot of sense. And for a guy as big and tall as he is, he is really fast. Yep. And he has capable hands. I don't know. I it's a bizarre situation, and it's, I think, one of the many reasons why Miami has faltered in this uh, second quarter of the NFL season is because they just haven't been able, haven't been able to identify talent, or if they have, haven't been able to use a, utilize it correctly. All right. Um, let's move on to Steelers-Ravens. Both of these teams have been tough on running backs. Now, obviously, if you have James Conner, you're going to start him. What about Alex Collins? How does he factor into the running back mix for you this week? How, where would you rank him, and, and what should we, people be looking for? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's kind of like a top 25-ish type of running back, right? You know, like, do you feel confident in that Baltimore offense? Forget Alex Collins for a second. Do you feel confident in that Baltimore's offense moving effectively against Pittsburgh? 
I don't. I, I, eh, kind of, maybe, sort. I'm, I'm with you. Not totally confident. And by the way, should, you, you nailed that. And the Rotowire projections, Collins is RB25. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. And I, I'm doing, doing this without eyeballing that stuff. But that, that's kind of the range where he feels like a running back two or a flex one. This feels like a, uh, I know they're not Sunday night, but this feels like a Chris Collinsworth, uh, Al Michaels. Oh, what a slobber knocker out there. This is the AFC North division. We love watching these types of games. And you see the score in the third quarter at six to three. Like that, that yeah. to me feels like where this is going to trend to. And, you know, I, against the Steelers uh, in week four, the running back position got 16 points. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel confident using Alex Collins. Maybe he sneaks into the end zone and that's kind of what you're looking for. But this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. Uh, and I don't even feel great about using Antonio Brown and, Juju Smith-Schuster. I know you have to use them, saying like you have to use James Conner, but uh, I wouldn't be anticipating a lot of scoring from any of these guys. Those those teams in the AFC North know each other so well. It's, it's just going to be limited scoring opportunities. Yep. Okay. Um, other side of this one, one little note. The Ravens, as good as their defense has been, they've been kind of leaky against tight ends. It makes me wonder if this is a Vance McDonald spot. And again, for tight ends, it's it's you know not like you're looking for superstars to start every week because <laughs> there's not a lot of them. It's been terrible. Right. Um, Go ahead, sorry. Well, and then well, you'll you'll think it's Vance McDonald, and Jesse James gets five catches for fifty yards and a yeah. touchdown, and you're like, oh crap, do I have to pick up Jesse James now again? Like this is it feels like a week to week basis where you flip flop on who the best tight end for the Steelers is, and McDonald's kind of had the shares recently, but you know I've especially with all these buys, I've had to kind of deliberate, hey, which really crappy tight end do I want to pick up for a week? And it's been mm-hmm. waffling between a guy like Jesse James or even. Uh, you know, like the Ravens' tight ends options too. Like, oh, do I have to? Do I have to play a, a Nick Boyle or something like and that? Last That's week, Hurst caught one. Like so, yeah, right. you know, have no idea what those guys. I agree. And then Mark Andrews has actually been the most effective one in terms of receiving. Like, if you're looking for just a guy to get four points, Mark Andrews has been the way to go for the the Ravens' side of things too. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure. What there's like 13 tight ends on these two teams that could do something. <laughs> at least, at least two of them are going to get a touchdown, and I guarantee you, whatever one you have in your lineup is not the one that's going to do it. That's what it feels like. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Lions-Vikings next up. So Dalvin Cook practiced Wednesday. He was limited. It's funny, I had, an, I had a lineup. I have, I have a lineup every week that I need to put in by Wednesday in this one thing that I do. And I wanted to put in Latavius Murray, and I was all ready. Because the whole thing of the idea has been or the chatter has been since Cook had that one late scratch a few weeks ago, the conventionalism has been they're going to sit him out through the bye, which is next week. Well, yesterday Cook practiced. So I reached out to uh, Peter Shanky, head honcho at Rotowire, said, hey, you cover the Vikings for Rotowire. What's going, you know, what's going to happen here? And he wrote back to me, I would be shocked if Cook doesn't rest through the bye. So if you're thinking about Murray, you're thinking about Cook, uh, Peter's keep, keeps track of his team and you know that I, I, he's got a pretty good beat on it. Now you never know what can change and cook my practice the next few days, but just keep that in mind, everybody. E- either way, if, if cook plays, you would think he'd be limited, right? 
Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, even if you have him out there, okay, maybe he plays 10 snaps. That's why, why risk it for a team that very well has aspirations for the playoffs and not even just like a five or six seed, but the division title too. I think you have to have Delvin Cook to make that run. Why waste it, especially with the buy next week? Like, I understand if there wasn't, if they hadn't their buy in week four or five or six, but we're at this point in the stage of the season where one more week of rest could really make a big difference, not just for the player, but for the team. And I, I agree with you. If he does get activated, I don't think he's going to do that well. So I, I feel like it's another Latavius Murray game because I think the Minnesota Vikings are the better team. I don't know. It, week to week, it changes in the AFC North. So I, I would imagine the Vikings get ahead and are able to kind of pound the rock with Latavius Murray more than uh, we would probably anticipate. All right. Lions traded Golden Tate. They play a lot of three wide sets. First, do you, do, all right. First, the slot is kind of a mystery. They have a rookie named Brandon Powell that they like a lot. They also have TJ Jones. I don't know exactly. I, I think down the road, Powell might play a lot. I'm not sure exactly what happens there in the short term. For the other two guys, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, do you sort of bump those guys up? Marvin's a guy who you hate to start because you never know what you're going to get. He's like, he's, I always say, the, the, the guy like that for me is Deshaun Jackson. I never own Deshaun Jackson because he's, you know, he's either, he either catches a 60 yard touchdown or he catches one pass for nine yards and I never know what I'm going to get. Well, Marvin Jones is like that for me. And I think he's really good. I just, on this team, I, I never know what I'm going to get. But now you would think that the volume sort of naturally increases for him and Galladay, right? Yeah, and honestly, I own Marvin Jones in two different leagues this year, and I have such low expectations for him each and every week that if he does anything more than catch 40 receiving yards, I'm like, hey, that was a win for me. Like I, I just enter with such low expectations that I'm able to feel pretty good about Marvin Jones this season when I've had to start him. Galladay, to me, was already a top 20 receiver. It was it was more based off of talent than anything else. And mm-hmm. I, I know last week aside, he didn't do great, but this is a guy that, you know, he torture, he tortures the Packers every, every time they play. I, I get that, but it... Packer bias aside, it's it's pretty easy to see this guy's really good. And it, it to me, it was just a matter of getting more opportunities. So I think this is fantastic for him. He remains right around that top 20 range for me. I think Marvin Jones is probably a top 30 type of receiver for me too, at least, moving forward. I actually like TJ Jones as the other guy to benefit. Like you talk about Golden Tate getting traded. Who's the biggest riser from that move? And I think it might be TJ Jones. You actually nailed exactly my thought process that, yeah, Powell might be the better player. They certainly seem to love him a lot. But I don't know if he's ready yet, or at least I haven't seen it yet. And until right. I see, I know actually what I can get from TJ Jones, and I think he's a pretty capable number three. And if you're kind of str- uh, struggling at all in a deeper league, 12-team, 14-team league with three receivers, I think TJ Jones is actually a, a pretty viable pickup option. I have him, uh, and this is more based off a bunch of injuries, but I've been considering him in stake league, and that might not be a good idea because you probably shouldn't be relying on TJ Jones when $150 is on the line. But uh, – <laughs> I think that there's worse options out there, certainly, and at least for this week until we see him do really bad. I, I feel okay about using him. Yeah, I, I think I might too. And uh, I, without the, the DFS salaries in front of me, I'm betting he's going to be pretty cheap. Um, fantasy draft, speaking of DFS, at Fantasy Draft, we put players first. There's super flexible lineups for the NFL. There's no kicker, and you can draft four running backs if you want. In the NBA, lineups are even more flexible. If you want five guards and two centers, no problem. Fantasy Draft has a $100,000 run and gun weekly feature GPP. That's with a $25 buy-in. They have a $500,000 Fantasy Draft championship with 100K to first place and weekly qualifiers happening right now. And that comes with a week 16 final. They have rake-free head-to-head for contests under 200 or half the rake of the other guys for the rest of the contest. That means if you and a friend both enter 
$100 head-to-head. The winner gets $200. Fantasy Draft takes no fees. So go to Fantasy Draft now, sign up, make your initial deposit, and if you use the referrer code ROTOWIRE, you will get a free $4 GPP ticket. Again, go to Fantasy Draft, make your deposit, sign up, and, and use the code ROTOWIRE, and you will get a free $4 GPP ticket. So check that out. Sign up right now. Fantasy Draft, we put players first. Falcons, Redskins. Um, Falcons not quite back at full strength here. Deion Jones is coming, but he's not ready yet. I was saying to, to someone the other day, I think the Falcons have some fight in them. I think they're going to have a better second half than they did the first. And they won two in a row, so they've been doing okay. But as their defense gets stronger and healthier, I think they're going to be kind of solid. But like I said, Jones is not back. And with that said, they've given up a lot to wide receivers. It's a, it's a weird fit here because... The Falcons have been getting gashed fantasy-wise by wide receivers. Then you look at the Redskins, you're like, I don't want to start any of those guys. And Crowder's still out. Is there is there a diamond in the rough here? Is there something to like that that we normally might not see? Yeah, normally we talk about like, oh, the immovable object versus the offensive explosion kind of thing. But this is kind of the inverse. It's the yeah. horrible defense versus the horrible receiving core. And you don't know which way it could turn, right? I... I I happen to think that the Falcons' defense isn't going to trend upward. Uh, Deion Jones coming back at some point will certainly help things, but uh, there's some issues in that back end of the secondary that I think are going to be tough to solve this season. Um, and I was into, I was actually kind of surprised to see them not trade for a guy like Haha Clinton Dix, uh, who of course went to their opposite opponent this week, the Redskins, just because I thought that he would actually be able to fit in kind of pretty well for what Ken O'Neill was able to provide for that team. Um, I. I don't know. I, I'm. I think I would start Paul Richardson if I had to, uh, and I hope to God I don't have to, uh, <laughs> based off injuries and bye weeks and whatnot. But that might be the only guy that I would consider out of that receiving core. And I think it's another Adrian Peterson game, believe it or not. I think that the Redskins have to win uh, ugly, and Adrian Peterson is the epitome of ugly at this point of his career. So I, I, I think that that's the way to go. And. I honestly anticipate it being a high-scoring game for one side of the ball, and it's not going to be the Redskins' side. I think the I think Atlanta's actually going to have a pretty good game. Okay, so um, yeah, you're, it's interesting about Peterson. Chris Thompson got hurt again last week, and he didn't practice Wednesday, so it's not looking great. Um, I mean, you're right about Peterson. It sort of it all funnels back to him because there's not a lot of other great options. With that said, if you're looking for a wide receiver. Last week, the snaps, Josh Doxson, 56, Maurice Harris, 56, Paul Richardson, 46. So th- those are your three guys. That's pretty much it. Michael Floyd was out there a little bit. Um, Doxson caught five for 49. I mean, you'd have to be really – I think that's a reach. But yeah. even in DFS, no. I did that early in the year with him saying, hey, he's the only guy there, and they still didn't throw to him. I so. agree. The only reason I'm saying Richardson is because maybe he gets a long touchdown. That's, yeah. And that's the reach that I'm looking for. I mean, he's the, the worst version of Deshaun Jackson. We talked about – Sammy Watkins probably being the better version. I think the worst version of Deshaun Jackson's Paul Richardson. So, okay. Um, the other one, the Redskins have been just their defense has been really strong, especially strong against opposing running backs. You said you thought Atlanta's going to have a pretty good game. What do you see from Tevin Coleman here? This is a pretty tall order to run on these guys. Yeah, I wouldn't feel great about him, but ironically enough, I feel okay about Eo Smith. And maybe it's more of a you're not expecting much from him type of thing, but. Whatever the reason, they've been kind of using him more in the red zone. And I anticipate Atlanta's going to move the ball. Maybe it's a situation where you're talking about a kicker. Matt Bryant might not be the worst thing in the world. I, I, I know the Redskins' defense is pretty good, but I don't really feel like they've been tested with so many NFC East teams out there. Like, here's who they played. The Cardinals, pff, Colts, eh. 
Packers, I watched that game. They were not a good offense that game. That was rainy. Aaron Rodgers had no idea how to move with one leg. That's not good. Really, the only offense that I think has been good that they faced this season has been the Saints. And they did okay against them, not great. And that was the Drew Brees Monday night game where yep. they were just going to get slaughtered regardless. So I I don't really feel like they've faced a lot of great offenses. This is going to be a good test to see if that Redskins defense is for real. And uh, I, I have my reservations. I think it's going to be tough for Tevin Coleman. But if I had Matt Ryan, I feel good about starting him. Ito Smith, if I have to, I would. And uh, really all three of those receivers, even Donald Sanu, I feel okay if I had to start. Okay. Now, yeah, early on, real quick clarification. You mentioned Matt Bryant, their kicker. He, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Matt Bryant did not practice Wednesday. Remember, he missed okay. the last game. Uh, he, he has a hamstring issue. He did not practice Wednesday. They're going to test out his hamstring today. Um, so you might see Tavecchio again. If you want to, I think taking the Falcons kicker is a smart way to go. I agree with Joe. You're going to have to watch Bryant's status because it might be Tavecchio again. So keep an eye on that. Um, also, uh, in this game, there was something else I was about to mention. Yeah, so Rotowire projection system. Uh, Tevin Coleman, RB15. Ito Smith, RB29, in case you're interested. Okay, Texans-Broncos. Going to the late games now. Um. Will Fuller out after last week, out for the season. The Texans trade for Demarius Thomas, who gets to play his first non-Bronco game in Denver, which is kind of funny. He's a he's a good receiver. He's a, he's an older veteran. You know, he's not what he used to be. He's still pretty good, but he's certainly not the type of receiver Will Fuller is. He doesn't take the top off like Will Fuller can. Do you think this this trade off between Fuller and Demarius Thomas? Are are you still dinging Deshaun Watson's production, or do you feel better about him? I mean, adding yeah, Thomas just, makes you feel better than not adding Thomas, right, but it's still not right. Fuller. I'm just bummed about the Fuller thing first off. Like, this is a guy that uh, when he was taken two years ago, a lot of people thought it was a reach. Like, he was a receiver that actually struggled to catch the ball. And that's never a good thing when you're talking about a guy that took in the first round or however high he ended up being. But he really has developed into not just a deep threat, but I think a good receiver overall. And uh, as a guy that has a lot of Will Fuller shares and has had him for the last two years, it's a bummer to see him kind of have to work back from debilitating injuries multiple seasons in a row. So uh, I'm disappointed. I like the move by the Texans to acquire Demarius Thomas, particularly with that AFC South division still very much in play for them. Um, you're right, though. It's a different kind of player. And I think Watson's going to have to kind of figure out how to best use Demarius Thomas. If I had to give a comparison to what Thomas's game is now, it's kind of DeAndre Hopkins, only Hopkins is a much better version of that. Um, he doesn't have as much, I would say, ferocity when trying to break off the line of scrimmage like cornerbacks trying to press cover deandre hopkins are going to wind up with a bloody nose like it just the way he gets out of those breaks and everything like that that's kind of what demarius thomas is i think if you're talking about a guy that stretches the field and this is an injury that i'm really curious to watch for uh is if qt can end up being able to be effective and able to get out the field that's a speed threat that's a guy that takes that will fuller role and i think actually would be a guy i feel comfortable using over demarius thomas if we're talking you know, DFS prices and everything else, I think QD actually would be a pretty good way to go. All right. On the Broncos side of the ball, um, sounds like Rush Freeman's going to be out again. So you're going to want to fire up Philip Lindsay, even though the matchup's not great. I actually had a, I have to start Devontae Booker in a league. That's how bad my situation is <laughs> running back. Well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> it's a league. I have my, my running backs are Saquon, Mixon, and Marlon Mack, who are all off. Oh, all right. All bye weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, like, so okay. you just taking a, you're one week lost. That's all. Yeah, pretty much it. So uh, it's a pretty it's a it's barren at running back, but we'll see. Okay, so the rotowire projection system has Cortland Sutton at wide receiver twenty eight. Too high, too low, or just right? No, too too low. I, I think he's 
we talked about Kenny Galladay as a guy that talent-wise you knew was going to be pretty good. Maybe not this week he's anything more than a top 25 guy, but if you were to say rest of season, where would you have him? I think he's firmly in the top 20, uh, particularly as the Broncos fade out of the AFC West. I think that giving Cortland Sutton more reps, giving him more opportunities, seeing what he can do, what he's best suited for, and frankly targeting him much more than Emmanuel Sanders is the right play long-term for that franchise. He's a great player. And he was a great player entering the draft. I was surprised to see him fall as far as he did. McKechnie and I were talking about that uh, during the NFL draft. That it, To me, Cortland Sutton was a guy that I thought could kind of sneak into the back after the first first uh, round. And with Lamar Jackson and everything else with that, it just didn't happen. He's a talented receiver, and I'm anticipating we're going to see that through the back stages of this season here. Okay. Let's go to Chargers Seahawks. I know mean, you cover the Chargers for Rotowire, so you'll get some good insight here. I love this game, first of all. I'm excited for it. I think yeah. it's going to be a fun one to watch. Because I like both teams. I've, I've been a you know a Chargers truther. I don't know about truther, but pretty close. And, and I, th- I think this game is going to tell us a lot about them as to whether we can really take them as seriously as I think we can. But on the other side, I completely underestimated the Seahawks. They're better than I thought. That defense, they, they have transformed that defense with different people and made it into a really strong unit. I, I don't, Right now, the over-under is 48, and it's a it's a one and a, right now Seattle's favored by one and a half. This doesn't look like a great offensive game here. It's not like one of those, you know, like Titans-Cowboys, which we're going to talk about later, where it's just fantasy misery. But it doesn't like, – who do you like? Who do you really like in this game? I'm not sure I really like anybody other than, you know, Melvin Gordon, who's really obvious. Right. Um I think I actually kind of like Keenan Allen in the situation. Uh, I anticipate we'll see him a lot more in the slot. Uh, and I just don't know if the Seahawks have somebody that can cover him. He's not going to get those red zone targets. And he never was. And that was a fallacy that I think a lot of fantasy owners kind of fell fell prey to earlier this year. That, totally. Yeah, I mean, this, this is, they have too many other options, even with Hunter Henry out for the season, for them to throw to Keenan Allen in the red zone. It's just never going to happen. That's why they drafted Mike Williams at number seven overall was for it to be a red zone threat. They have Hunter Henry. Tyrell Williams can do that. And Antonio Gates, as soon as they signed him back, that was kind of the death kneel, I thought, on Keenan Allen being anything more than a you know third-round, fourth-round receiver other than the second round that we were seeing being taken in. I, I like him this week, though, as a eight catches, 98 yards kind of day. I, I think that Philip Rivers is going to have to rely on him quite a bit. Uh, we've seen Tyrell Williams the last two weeks be – the deep threat, bomb threat kind of guy, and that's not going to be there against the Seahawks this week. Uh, I think it's going to be Keenan Allen. I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon and uh, efficient for, uh, for Phillip Rivers, but nothing more than 250 and two touchdowns type of, type of thing. I, I think he throws at least one pick, if not two. This this screams to me, uh, I'm scrambling around, don't know what to do. I'm going to sidearm one to the linebacker that I didn't see coming uh, at a pivotal point. That that It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game. But there's going to be mistakes that are made from that Chargers offense that has actually been pretty effective avoiding those situations so far. All right. Speaking of efficient, Russell Wilson. Yes. The last three games. So so every week, Jake and I do a Tuesday podcast about who we should pick up. And then we always talk about you know who's droppable. And I was arguing Russell Wilson a few weeks ago. If you were to tell me, if you had told me three weeks ago, hey, in the next three games – Russell Wilson is going to throw 61 passes and basically not run. I would have said, yeah, cut him. Like I said, I was right. Totally right. The dude's thrown three touchdowns a game in the last three weeks. 
He's mm-hmm. playing. He's playing well, but but they're just. I mean, they're so committed to the run. Of course, I mean, you know, why would they use the guy they drafted in the first round when they're committed to the run? Because right. that would be ridiculous. Um, I, I would. I don't know what to make of this. I, I don't know what fantasy wise. I don't know what to do. I still don't want to start him. But he's. I mean, you know, I don't. You, you touchdowns are fluky sometimes. I get it. But this is. It's just. It's just so weird. Like, what? What do you make of the weirdness with Russell Wilson? Is it? Is the three touchdowns fluky? Do we think he's still solid? Um, do we think he's going to throw more? I mean, he's got to throw more than this at some point, right? Yeah, it, it's funny. You look at the defensive versus positioning tool on RotoWire, and the Chargers allow, I think, the 15th most points to the running backs. Seahawks are 16th. You look at the receiver spot, Chargers, I think, are 16th, and the Seahawks are 15th. Like These are as close to neck-and-neck teams as you're going to probably see, I think, all season. And that boils down also to the quarterback play, too. I, you're going you're gonna to hear some bias from me. Uh, I I like Russell Wilson. I've liked him ever since he went to Wisconsin. That's the only time we're ever going to have a good quarterback on our college team, and it's it's tough to say, but I'll I'll always remember those dying days with Russell Wilson as our our QB, and I, it translates over to the Seahawks team, even though I really uh, despise Seattle, especially after that heartbreaking uh, conference championship game in like 2014 or whatever. So I, I I like Russell Wilson. I was I I mean the you're wiping the egg off your face very nicely, but that would have been a very hot take. I think even two or three weeks ago. Um, but I understand, like, the receiving core is more of my issue. They don't really have a great receiving back. There's no Deion Lewis for that team, and they don't. They wouldn't use a Deion Lewis right even if they had him. Um, but it's not like Doug Baldwin has been super efficient this season. I had no idea there was uh, another more out there that wasn't named DJ, and, of course, David apparently is the more effective, the more guys. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's frustrating, too, to see him get touchdowns on a couple weeks down in a row. I, I think that offense is good enough to move the ball against the Chargers. I don't know if they're good enough to score against the Chargers, though. If you told me Joey Bosa was going to be active this week, I would have said, no, don't don't play Russell Wilson. That's going to be a coming out party for that defense. But he's not going to be out there more than likely. I think Russell Wilson probably has some viability. I think it's going to be close. But uh, I don't know if you're getting three touchdowns. And I'm not sure you're going to get over 250 passing yards either. So I don't know what you're really getting from a fantasy quarterback perspective then. All right. Um, next up, Rams Saints. Hey, now, this is a fantasy game right here. Over under yes, 50, it is. 59 and a half or 60. Cooper Cup back for the uh, Rams most likely. All right, the question I'm going to ask you here, who don't you like in this game? You like pretty much everybody. Is there a, a, a typical fence sitter of a fantasy player in this game that you don't like? I'm taking the under, and I'm taking the under because I think that the Saints, in order to win this game, have to run the ball. Yep. They have to use Mark Ingram. They have to use Kamara. And I think as a result, I'm staying away from Jared Goff if I have better options. Mm-hmm. Like, you talk about that Packers-Patriots game. There could be a situation where you have Goff and Brady on your team. I'm going Brady 11 times out of 10 in that case. And okay. that probably isn't much of a hot take. But I, I recognize the Saints' defense and it hasn't looked that good a coach to recognize their path to victory and that's by ball control and this has to be a really slow game really kind of uneven pace for that rams offense and we saw effectively run last week the first half really the first quarter the game script in which the rams can lose is what the packers did they just weren't able to finish it effectively i think this has to be a case now where you're running the ball with mark ingram and and throwing check down passes to michael thomas if he's healthy or 
Ben Watson, for some weird reason, he'll have a great game. That's the kind of way I see it. And I don't feel great about using Jared Goff just because I anticipate this is going to be lower scoring than a lot of people might think. All right. This is an interesting game. I can't, I'm looking forward to saying I'm telling you, all these late games, I, I really like a lot of them. I, re, I really, Oh, yeah. I, I think this is, for as many bye weeks as we have, uh, I, this is going to be a pretty interesting slate of NFL overall. Like, even some of the early games, you can kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to like that. And then, yeah, it's going to be a 38-37 game where you're like, wow, this is a lot of fun to watch for some reason because defenses are bad. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this week of football. All right. Uh, Packers-Patriots over-under is somewhere in the 57, 57 and a half range. Um, on the Patriots side, Sony Michelle looks like he might play. Um, he practiced Wednesday. It sounded like things are positive. You're going to want to watch his status as the weekend approaches. Uh, is Aaron Jones safe to use yet after last week? Cause he had a pretty strong game. Yes, I think so. Especially against the Patriots this week too. I think he's probably safe to use and he's never going to get the bulk or the, like, or the complete totality of the carries to that running back spot because Mike McCarthy hates the world and hates Packer fans in particular. Um, but Aaron Jones is going to get a lot of carries, I think, and he'll be an effective running back for the rest of the season moving forward. I, th- I think he's easily a top 15 guy the rest of the way. Wow, that's bold. Okay. And and again, everybody listening, any, if you're in other parts of the country and are living under the impression that Mike McCarthy is a good coach, please listen to this podcast regularly and all the Packers fans that come on it from the Rotowire office in Madison. They detest yeah, McCarthy, I, all of you. I, I mean, the, the end goal for this season for Packer fans, and I, I don't think I'm the only one that shares this sentiment, but I might be the loudest one. I hope we lose every game the rest of the year. Maybe not every game. I want us to beat the Bears. After that, lose every game. So then we have to fire Mike McCarthy. Like, let's just force the hand here. Let's, let's, I want Ty Montgomery playing every snap. So he can fumble every kickoff return and, and reception and run so that Mike McCarthy has to get out of there. That's where I'm at at this point. This relationship needs to be done. All right. Um, one Packer question. Other one. Has uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling passed Geronimo Allison? No. No, I don't think so. But I think they're both talented receivers. And I think uh, Scantling is going to be I, – I mean, if you're in a dynasty league or a keeper league, uh, you should have invested him in a couple weeks ago. But – you you are very close to the point where you're not going to get much value on him because he is a very good player, uh, and I you know I, I think especially with Aaron Rodgers at QB it makes a big difference. But I think even if he was to go to like Indianapolis or something, he might even be their best receiver uh, sans T.Y. Hilton. Like I I think he's a, a fantastic talent, and I think Geronimo Allison could be the number two receiver for the Colts too. Frankly, like I th- those are both pretty good guys, but I think it's Allison. For the intermediate routes, and then Scantling more as a, a deep threat potential to go off and get a touchdown kind of player. All right, last game. So we just had a few really interesting games to talk about. Now, the Titans-Cowboys Monday night. Uh, over-under is 41. This is an awful fantasy game. Would you start, if you are an Amari Cooper owner, are you, are, are you gung-ho and ready? Like, he's in the lineup, let's go. Oh, John, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, sorry, Ken. Ken just kind of walked in here. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Can we redo the question again? No, it's good. Yeah, Amari Cooper. Are, are you rolling with him or not? Yeah, I think I am going to roll with Amari Cooper. I, I think that he's going to be enough of a fantasy asset, and I honestly believe the Cowboys traded for, for him um, with that bye week to get him involved. But because they knew they had this marquee game going on, like otherwise, what? There is absolutely no reason I want to watch Jason Witten and Booger McFarland talk about Amari Cooper. No. Uh, well, the Cowboys team, unless they had Amari Cooper, like that would be 
I would rather have pins shoved into my ears kind of thing. Like I, I'm not at all looking forward to that other than Amari Cooper. Like he's the saving grace of this entire Monday night game. And we, I could have a whole 20 minute rant on why we have to suffer through the Cowboys and Giants every single Sunday night or Monday night game for what seems like eternity, because <laughs> we knew these teams were going to be bad. We knew they were going to be bad and they have continued to be bad. We have to still watch them anyway. Mari Cooper saves me. Yes, I'm going to be watching that, uh, and I'm going to be playing Mari Cooper because I think the Cowboys know he's about their only interesting thing they have in that team. Okay. On the Titans side of things, the Rotowire projections have Deion Lewis at RB32, Derek Henry at RB42. Do you want to start either one of these players? Uh, maybe. Maybe Deion Lewis. Um, if there's a chance that you need a, a kind of a, a flex receiver running back kind of spot. I think Deion Lewis probably makes a lot of sense. I could see him scoring, frankly, just because statistics say he shouldn't. The Cowboys defense is pretty good. Um, in the Mayday situation where he gets a couple catches and kind of find his way into the end zone, a good screen pass ends up breaking up and you know, opening up for a touchdown. That's the that's where I could see that happening, but I don't feel great using Derrick Henry. Um, he went for $25 in a, one of our auto-new drafts on, or uh, free agency wires, and I was surprised to see Anybody invest anything? You know what? That, that was me. This point. That was me. <laughs> you, you know why? Well, I think you no. had to use him, didn't he, you? Here's why. I had to use him, and I had to claim him on waivers. So I couldn't bid. Uh, I couldn't bid low. I had to claim him at the waiver right. salary. And I was mad. I, mean, I, I don't get that, how that's being implemented right now because you wouldn't spend $25 on Derrick Henry otherwise. Like The only no. reason you did that was because you had to. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going there. Like I, so I don't like how that's set up, but that's that's a different discussion yeah. entirely. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about Derrick Henry, and I had probably a few too many shares of him entering the year, which stinks because I wasn't even that high in him to begin with. It was just more like, a, oh, I think at this point of the value, it probably works, and the Titans' offense should be pretty good, right? No, wrong. We are, we are completely wrong about that offense as a whole. And uh, Yeah, uh, Corey Davis is the one guy I would, I would mention that I wouldn't start him this week, but I've seen him dropped in quite a few areas. I don't think that's the right play. You look at the Titans' schedule the rest of the way, and they have some pretty good matchups if they have even a competent offense going, and I think Corey Davis is the most competent part of that offense moving forward. He gets enough targets where he should be rostered on every league. Maybe not started, but he should be rostered. So I'd pick him up or see if Corey Davis is available because there's no reason why he needs to be in the wires at this point. All right, uh, that's it for our games. Joe, what else you got going on? Uh, not too much. Looking forward to our podcast tomorrow and Monday. Um, otherwise, yeah, looking forward to a lot of the other NFL games going on the rest of this week. My sister has her 21st birthday on Friday night, so I will be hopefully ready to go and watch football by Sunday, or at least recovering from nice. that, because we'll be, be treating her to some good times here in Madison, that's for certain. That sounds great. All right, um, folks. Listen again, again, you want to hit us on Twitter. He is at JB Fantasy Sports. I'm at JHelpin37. Listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Joe and I will be back on Friday to talk about um, break class in case of emergency players for a week, the weekend, DFS stuff, the latest injuries, all that. So please come on back then. For Joe Bardo, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, 
Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.